I love the fact that just watching the students be, you know, so progressive and just so, I mean, it's, it inspires me. They inspire me. Good evening, everyone. I'm Grace and I serve as one of the, one of the co-chairs for After the Arch. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to our second episode of Bug Up, Where Are They Now? I want to say a special thank you to our panelists today. As After the Arch chairs, Salisa and I host events throughout the semester, connecting graduating seniors to alumni. Though we cater to graduating seniors, our events are open to all students. Good evening, everyone. I'm Salita and serve as the other After the Arch co-chair. This event is a podcast episode and serves as one of the two episodes that we have and will be releasing. If you haven't listened to our first podcast, make sure you do go and listen to this right after this. Again, thank you for tuning into our podcast. Now, we will introduce our panelists, starting with Chantal. Hi, guys. My name is Chantel Cargill, and I am from Waycross, Georgia. Hey, and I'm Jeff Brown. I am from Augusta, Georgia, a little bit bigger than Waycross. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. And just to start us off, we're just going to start out with some easy questions on um, if y'all could explain what you studied at UGA and if you could describe what you saw or didn't see yourself um, at UGA and if you saw yourself represented or not in your department or school. And Chantal, if you want to start us off again, you can. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So I took up, uh, originally, actually, I got accepted into the UGA program for um, the uh, pharmacy. So that was like my first thought that, okay, yeah, this is what I want to be, a pharmacist. And then I took chemistry and then I realized that that was just not in my wheelhouse. It wasn't my ministry. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> um, and so I switched majors my sophomore year and I switched to psychology because it was just something that I was always interested in and I love people and I just really wanted to learn more about the mind and just how powerful it is. And so um, in terms of seeing myself represented, unfortunately not. I, did, I actually had maybe one professor that was black, maybe one or two but most of the folks in my program were not black. Um, And so, you know, it it really impacted me in a way to where I was like, okay, I wish I would see more faculty and staff represented that looks like me. But um, I also realized that, okay, I'm I'm here to learn. I'm here to be, uh, you know, a student and, you know, I want to, uh, eventually graduate and be a part of that change in the future. And so uh, just recognizing that there was a lack of Black faculty really inspired me to, you know, be a part of the uh, university after the fact. So that's why I'm so super involved with Alumni um, Association. So that's me. Yeah, I mean, my story is real similar. I mean, I got to Georgia and I was a, um, I was a biological engineering major. And um, I started taking those classes and, uh, you know, you quickly realize that that's probably not the place I should be. Um, and then I just started, you know, college is, is awesome because you, you, you get that space to, to really self-reflect and really figure out what you're good and not good at. Um, and the thing that I was the best at is talking and I talked too dang much. And I was like, you know what, engineering is probably not the best spot for somebody who talks as much as I do. Um, so I changed my major to poli-sci 
And, um, you know, I, I was really interested, obviously, um, and this was before SPIA. So this was to give everybody a reference point. So I changed my major to poli sci and I was like, well, cool. I really like the international stuff more than the, than the kind of the local stuff. And so I'll just see if I can take classes that are more internationally focused. Um, and then I want to say the semester after I officially switched my major, they officially started SPIA and started the international affairs program. And, um, and I'm like, cool, that, that's, that's where I am. And so I changed my major again, I guess, officially to international affairs. Did I see myself represented in the faculty? Heck no. Um, you know, and, 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 and it's, it, you know, it's, I don't, but I also don't think I thought about it much when I, in that, when I was, when I was at that age, I don't think I, you know, I, I, um, I commend the generation that's in school today because they are a heck of a lot more forward thinking and progressive than I was as a student um, at the time. And so I don't think I thought about it that much. I, I definitely thought about it more from the student body perspective, but to take it a step further and go faculty and staff, I don't think I, I was that, that, that deep in it. Um, the faculty and staff when I was there was excessively diverse, just not diverse um, with African-American, right? Um, there were a lot of people of color given the degree field. Um, and so I was able to take a lot of classes from people who were experts in national security policy and international affairs related things. But that also meant that they, they represented a broader cross section of, of, of the world. So yeah. Hey, thank you so much for that. And interestingly enough, I'm actually a political science major. So go SPIA. Go SPIA. Yes, go SPIA. It's actually interesting. We have like both IA and PolySci are now minors. And so you can take those now Yo. as a minor. Yeah. See, y'all, I see, I, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, y'all get so much more. You know, like I am so jealous. I still get the emails from SPIA about the classes that y'all are offering. I swear, if I lived closer, I would probably like take a couple, like what's the thing where you just come and sit in a class? I would take a day off and come sit in some class because y'all's y'all's classes today are pretty dope. Yeah, they're actually really cool. Um, I'm near the ending of them and I just wish that I could, not that I could stay here longer, but that I could take work classes. Um, they're really, really interesting, and it is becoming very diverse. I mean, there aren't people, professors that look like me quite yet, mm -hmm. but we're getting there, and you can see yeah. the change, and I can attest that since my freshman year, my third year of college now, it's changing, and it's diversifying, mm -hmm. and I love it. Um, okay, so our next question is, can you describe the Bugga community when you were in school? What were some of the programs and events that were hosted within the community? And just a disclaimer, and if you didn't listen to our first podcast episode, Bugga just means Black UGA. <laughs> and so anyone can yeah. start. Yeah, we've been, we've been calling it Bugga forever. Um, man, it, it, it was an awesome, when I was there, it was an, I mean, and it still is even to, to this day, it's an, it was an awesome community. Um, you know, the reason I'm an alpha today is because my, um, my orientation leaders were Lamar Torrance and Corey Dorsch. And, you know, Corey's now, doing something at Emory, but, but I mean, those are my orientation leaders and they were super cool, you know, and it was really just this close knit family, man, where it didn't matter where you fit, whether you're a freshman or, or, you know, the seventh year senior, right? Like you were just super cool and super tight and um, everybody supported you. Everybody looked out for you, um, you know, with some fun minor exceptions with the football team, getting into it with the track team every now and then. 
Um, but I mean, it was it was super close. I mean, you know, um, my one of my fondest, I guess, your your question was what was my favorite program or some of my favorite programs and events. Um, when I was there, I was the co-team leader or co-chair for Black Educational Support Team. Um, so that that always plays a, a good, that's always close to my heart. I was in um, a play for the Black Theatrical Ensemble. So I was in, I did that. Um, I was, in, I was a, I gave tours at the visitor center. So that was always fun. Um, I worked for athletics as, a, as kind of a game day assistant. I did the, uh, I don't even know what they call it, but you know, you go to admissions and you tell the prospective students about your experience. I did that. So I was, I was all over the place in college, um, but it was all, it was all amazing. And in Black UGA, I think that Chantel said it in her previous answer, like, like they are the reason why I'm so engaged today because I hold so many fond memories of Black UGA um, and UGA as a whole, man. I, I, I left everything there that UGA owes me nothing with my experience that I had there. I love that place. <laughs> Oh, yes, absolutely. I share in some of those experiences. And it's so interesting because I, too, um, I think uh, Monte was my orientation leader. And oh, my gosh, like he he was just this ball of energy that I was just like, oh, my God, I don't know who this guy is, but I want to be where he's at. What do you do? Um, so come to find out he was in Pomoja Dance Company and I mm -hmm. love to dance. I was actually uh, a dancer for uh, in band. I was on the dance team. So um, so I was like, what is this all about? So joining Pomoja Dance Team changed my life my freshman year because I knew no one on campus. But when I tell you I have the same friends from Pomoja Dance Company that I did when we first started. I mean, it was just, it felt like a family. It felt like the family that I needed to feel connected to the university. Um, and so that led to me joining other organizations on campus like, uh, you know, Black Affairs Council, NAACP, you know, uh, Na National, uh, National Council for Negro Women and things of that nature. And so, you know, it just, it was a family, like Jeff said. I felt like, you know, if I needed anything, if I had questions, if I needed to be, you know, become acclimated with where to go, I think everybody has had an experience of being lost, getting on the wrong bus, <laughs> uh, you know, just being late to class or whatever. Um, Tate time, oh my God, Tate time. That's where I really met a lot of my friends. And so, you know, those types of things really made it feel like home for me. Um, and, you know, like Jeff said, you know, UGA owes me nothing. Socially, what? UGA owes me nothing. <laughs> I had a great I mean, time. what makes Pomoja so great is, 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 is Chantel can't dance. And they still welcomed her in with open arms. That's and so, uh -huh. I mean, you know what? I mean, that's, that's that awesome family atmosphere that we talk about, man. So shout out to Pomoja for welcoming Chantel and the family. I beg to differ. <laughs> My knees still work. I got Meg knees, so. <laughs> okay, and our um, next question is, it's kind of a big one, so it's okay mm -hmm. to take a second to think about it, but what did you find to be the biggest challenge when you were a student? Oh, that's easy. Can I leave this one? <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, trying to find the balance between my social life and campus life, uh, you know, school, like, I guess it's school life balance. 
um, that was really difficult for me, especially freshman year when, because no one told me that we would get the worst schedule, you know, that it was, you know, based off of seniority or whatever. So 8 a.m. on Monday was always a struggle for me. No one told me that that was what you had to do. No one told me that, you know, you had to, you know, basically wake up that early after you party all night. Like no one told me that. So I really had to learn how to, you know, I had to remind myself why I was there um, sometimes. And so, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure that I was able to get the best of both worlds, really experience that Georgia life that I'd always heard about, um, but also remember that, hey, I got to graduate in four years. Like I still got a, a mission and um, while I'm here. So, you know, that I think that was the biggest challenge for me personally. Man, for me, um, it was the fact that, like, you know, nobody was checking for you, to, like, in class. Like, wasn't nobody taking role, you know, like, whether or not you're there or not. That, that, that tuition check getting cashed regardless of whether or not you show up. And, um, and so just that, so, and, and I'll preface this, when I graduated from high school, right, like, like everybody at UGA, I came in with a 4.0 GPA, you know, like it was like, I'm like, man, this is, it is what it is, right? Like study, I, ah, I'll do that the day before. And so the actual process of committing effort and energy to studying, especially those first two years when I was just taking, you know, regular, not non-major courses, like where there was no passion and there was no drive, tricking yourself or telling yourself, I got to focus and buckle down and really get after these grades was real. It, it changed a lot when I got into my major courses because there was some passion and some energy behind it. But yeah, like the fact that you got to really go to class and really focus and, and really do like that, that, that thing rocked me, man. And then all of my friends that I still keep to this day, they were horrible influences on my, on my educational habits, right? It was like, nah, I ain't got to go to that class. You know, it's, you know, you catch it on Wednesday, right? Or whatever. And I'm like, bruh. And so, yeah, I mean, we were all still cool to this day, but I mean, we, 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 we partied hard. We lived hard. Um, we had a lot of fun. And I think that's what kind of, you know, that's what binds us to this day. And that, that's what also makes us who we are right now. We're all super professional. We all have good jobs, <laughs> but <laughs> it was grandmama's prayers that got us to this point. So um, but yeah, man, it was that, that moment of, of, of really having to buckle down and, and know that you have to get this stuff done and nobody's checking on you to do it. Yeah. I, you know, I had a really harsh reality when, you know, my first year I failed a couple of tests and I was like, oh no, I called my mom crying. I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. Like I, I, you know, school was easy. High school was easy. Like everything was just like, you know, like Jeff said, you can study the night before you're straight, you know, but not at Georgia. Like this is a whole new ball game. And before you know it, hope looking a little bit like, are we keeping hope? <laughs> like, is it going to be there next semester? Like what's happening? And so really just adulting fast. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I really, I didn't, one of the things that I regret 
and I, I'm, I'm hoping this is not a question later, but I wish I had a mentor too, because if I had a mentor, I feel like I would have gotten those gems I needed in order to keep me focused because I felt like I was just kind of trying to figure things out on my own. So I feel like, you know, if I had that guidance, it would have been helpful, but I don't regret, you know, the experience that I had because it was amazing. And I'm glad mm -hmm. that I was able to kind of like, it was sink or swim. Cause I feel like a lot of adulting in life is sink or swim. You have to learn how to swim. You know, the waters get crazy and shaky, but you, you figure out how to navigate it. You reach out to those that, you know, you need to help survive through it. And so I learned that and I took that with me. So I don't regret the experience I had, but you know, it would have been nice to have a mentor too. <laughs> yeah, man. Georgia taught me, man. It's all right. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's okay to struggle. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to, um, you know, to fall on your face. Right. Like, you know, I didn't, I, 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 I breezed through them early years of, of high school. I mean, all the years of high school, you know, you, you know, you grew up pretty, you know, grew up pretty comfortable, right? There were things what I wanted, no, but, but Georgia really taught me some valuable life lessons that I still kind of pull on from today, you know? And so, yeah, like I, when I say Georgia owes me nothing, it's because they, you know, it, the lessons that I, I take away from that place are, are all amazing. Even if they're tied to bad memories, there's still lessons in that. And so I still pull away so many positive experiences through those things. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm sure Salisa can agree with me, but everything y'all have said, I have thought literally the exact same thing at my time at UGA. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, like, do I, and then, like, it, like, do I really need to go to this party? Yes, you do. <laughs> right? You know, like, it, it, like it, it is funny, like, college teaching is some, something in your head, especially those first two years, will legitimately have you believe in this party will not be the same if I don't show up. Like somehow the party will not happen if Jeff Brown don't walk through, right? And this is what, and I'm like, I, this can't be real. But it, but I look back on it, like, I, I really used to believe that. And I'm giving myself a little bit of grace because I think I rode that, that same thought process probably three years. Like I might've been in my degree program still trying to party like a rock star. So yeah, man, I'm glad there was no social media back then. Oh, thank God. Well, it was for me, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, so for uh, for us, we were on the we were on the early, we were on the first phase of Facebook. So you had to be a college student when I was yeah. a freshman to get Facebook. So um, so I was on that 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 early arrival, but we didn't have smartphones like that. So when nobody posting pictures, you know, so that's why we all have good jobs. Yeah, and I think that's really real because any student at UGA can attest to like coming from high school and mm -hmm. not struggling like school is easy and like mm -hmm. I would say for me I actually had to learn how to study like mm -hmm. 18 years of my life of going to school for as long as we have um, kindergarten through 12th grade and not really having to study anything like you just you just did it and you did yep. well but it's like college really taught you that you have to study like you actually have to put in work and effort and you have to do it in advance in order mm -hmm. to excel and I think for any UGA student or any really college student like that's hard yep. um even now in my third year of college I can say like I've had to learn different study skills for different classes like they all aren't the same and they are can't be the same because I won't succeed that way I mean you know what's crazy is I think we come into this space man and and we were all elite right you wouldn't have got mm -hmm. into Georgia if you weren't 
But yeah. school has a way of rocking you to your core that'll make you believe that you're not. And so you have to, you have to be rocked back so you can re-find out. Yeah, I'm elite. I'm supposed to be here, right? Like you have to re, revalidate yourself in that experience and go, I'm supposed to be here, right? Like that first year of college, I had you believing that this ain't the right place. And then, you know, and then hopefully, you know, you can, you have some strength and you have some, some stick to it that's not a word, but hopefully you have that <laughs> within you that'll, that'll, that'll keep you focused on staying. Because once you revalidate, once you revalidate that you're supposed to be here and that you are still elite, you just had a setback. I think that's when you start to really figure it out and you start to, you start to push forward. And unfortunately, you know, so many of our students don't don't have that re that that moment where they can they can really revalidate themselves and say that you're supposed to be here um but yeah if you're listening to this today and you're having that thought you're supposed to be you're you're you are right where you're supposed to be absolutely and there are a lot of people that aren't there <laughs> because mm -hmm. of how elite it is yeah and you're supposed to be here you are you are and i tell you like my parents are praying parents like I knew who I needed to reach out to, to get that prayer, that ministry to keep me going. Okay. I mean, I just, I don't know what I would have done without my parents' support, you know, and, and, I, and, you know, from the community that I was a part of my friendships, you know, on campus, people who I hung around, you know, I was intentional on hanging around people that might excel a little bit better than me or you know that I knew they were going to be supportive or we'd have like this little competition thing so it just kept me focused and so I really do think those relationships are important because of that as well yeah and that's so good I'm not trying to drag this on longer I promise but um I can even go to that like my parents would come and see me all the time my freshman year and it, it meant a lot to me that they would take the time just praying with me even now, like every night my father calls, I call my mom, I call my dad and they're praying, they're speaking life. And I know freshman year, it was just hard being able to explain to them like what I was going through, but they knew and they knew something was wrong, but they were just praying. They're like, we don't know what's going on, but we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray, we're gonna pray through this. And it, it always means a lot to me, looking back at it, what I was going through, even now that I have parents who are so prayerful, who are always, there's someone always praying for me. There's someone who, who, who goes to sleep at night thinking about me. So it just means a lot to me. Absolutely. And so our next question is, what was your experience transitioning into the workplace, particularly as a Black woman and as a Black man? Okay, I can start. Um, so for me, I had an interesting experience because, you know, after I graduated, I knew, first of all, that with a psychology degree, I knew I was going to have to get in somebody's graduate program. No doubt. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I disappeared my last, my senior year because I was like, okay, I got to stay on top of it so I can get in somebody's graduate program. But in my grad program, that transition already kind of set the tone for what it was going to be like for me to transition into the professional workplace. So I feel like I, I have to kind of tap into that a little bit before I get to my professional professional space, just simply because of some of the things that I went through in my graduate program, it really made me hyper aware of my blackness, 
uh, me being a woman and, you know, just some of the things that I didn't experience in, in undergrad. Um, and so it made me kind of mature even more in a different way. Um, but again, I'm grateful to those experiences because it taught me that, okay, in the real world, this is how it is. Um, and so once I graduated from my graduate program from Valdosta State, um, you know, I got my first, my not first job, but my first professional job. And, you know, I actually started working in Vidalia, Georgia, if you guys know where that is. Um, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Um, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And I can't tell you how many situations I've had where people discredited me because of my age at the time. I was in a leadership role. Um, so my age, because I was a woman and because I was black. And so that experience for, for me was difficult because I had never experienced that before. Like I got the degree, I went to UGA, you know, they, you know, you say all these things like I went to UGA and it's, that's great. But when you're in a professional space, it was like, none of that stuff mattered. They just saw you and that was enough for them to judge you. I, I didn't know what to do with that for the longest time. But fortunately I had a, a black woman who was my direct supervisor who we had those real like come to Jesus conversations about that, what that experience is like and how to navigate in a world in this, in this space. And, um, you know, I didn't think in the world of mental health, it was similar to corporate, but it is. There's a lot of red tape, there's politics, just like any other space um, that you would endure some of those experiences. And so for me, um, again, I, I take, those types of experiences as learning experiences to help me grow and mature. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for my supervisor at the time, just kind of introducing those or saving space or creating space for me to tell her, you know, how hurtful that is. I mean, I had days where I would cry, I would be upset. Um, I would be sad because I, you know, I felt um, like I'm not supposed to be in this space. I felt like I, I had a lot of imposter syndrome going on. Um, but via those experiences, I was able to learn and grow and, and accept me for me, be more secure in who I was. And I think that's kind of gotten me here where I am today, way more confident, way more mature in my professional career. And of course, none of that would have happened without God. So, so yeah. Yeah, you can't be sitting right here talking about Vidalia, Georgia. Grace probably could be from there. And you talking bad about Vidalia. You know, Grace, I'm sorry. You know, Chantel, what she's not telling y'all, and if our mama would listen to this, y'all didn't y'all didn't raise her right. That's this part of part of the problem. No home training, just half raised. Um, so for me, my transition, sorry. My transition was was interesting, man, because I, I left Georgia. Um, it, like I said, international affairs degree. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go work for the CIA. And so I was interviewing for them. And um, my girlfriend, who's not my wife, she was like, hey, are we going to have a thing? Are we going to have a future? And I was like, yeah. You know? And she's like, well, I don't think the CIA is the place that you want to go work if you think we're going to have a future. And so I, I got out of their interview process. And, um, and then I, I ended up finding a job working for the Boy Scouts. And so, um, and so it was interesting 
you know, because that environment working for the Boy Scouts was not the most diverse environment, right? It's this kind of Boy Scouts. So we we kind of know what we're walking into there with that conversation. And um, and then when people find out you go to Georgia from a volunteer perspective, so my job was recruiting kids, raising money, recruiting volunteers. And so whenever I'm interacting with either adult leaders or people in the community and they find out you go to Georgia, as a black guy, all, their first assumption is always, oh, did you play football? And I'm like, bro, I'm like 5'10". Like, you know, at the time, I'm like, maybe 220? You know, so like, I'm not big enough to play football anyway. And so, you know, you, you, you get defense. I mean, you go through this, this phase and you get defensive and, uh, and somewhat angry at that question. It's like, dude, not every black dude that's there plays football. Like some of us are just there to be students and we're, we're, we, we excel off the field. Um, and so there was some of that, right. You know, just that, that, that mentality that, you know, here I am young guy, fresh out of college and is your assumption about me because I went to Georgia. Um, and so you, you know, you feel like, do I have to overcompensate or oversell um, my credentials as to why I'm in the same space that they are. Um, but, but, you know, that, that, I think that probably rocked my, my confidence a little bit in that, in that space. Um, but then I also grew up with a dad that told me that I had to be better than my, my, my counterparts. Right. Um, and so you, 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 I definitely took that to, to the workplace every day. It was like, no, I gotta be better than Mike and Joey. Right. Like I, I, you know, my numbers, I have to, you know, if the goal for me is to be 5% ahead and, and, and raising money, if, if, if I'm equal to Mike, I'm behind. I gotta be, I, I gotta hit 10%. I gotta, you know, recruit a hundred more kids or whatever. And so that probably put some undue stress and not stress, um, cause I don't probably stress about much, but that put undue pressure on me to be a little bit more successful. Um, but what I will say is that that added um that I gave work probably helped me excel pretty quickly through um, into leadership, right? And so, you know, I was there five years. I was there a total of eight years. I was promoted after four, and I was probably in management at, at five and a half or six, and I was supervising people that were twice my age, you know, or, and I had been, and, and, and then I was supervising people who had been there longer um, so I was promoted over people and, and that there's a lesson in that as well, having to supervise somebody that can be your mom. Right. Like, I mean, it was, it was, that was real. And, um, but, but again, there's valuable lessons in that. And so, you know, the transition out of Georgia, I think being at Georgia kind of helped prepare me for just working in this world. I, I, I'm still in nonprofit. Um, and so just working in this world with, with people that are of diverse backgrounds, but that are still mostly white. And so, you know, being at Georgia and, 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 and having a class that was that way or being able to stand up and articulate yourself and articulate your opinion um, in a very confident manner when nobody in the classroom has your same cultural experiences. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that benefits me to this day, so. Well, also side note, um... Chantel and Jeffrey, y'all will be happy to know I'm not from Vidalia, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for that response. Thanks to I'm Jeff actually from Texas, so I'm not <laughs> from Georgia. <laughs> so you're in the clear. 
Thank you for that, Grace. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also just to our listeners, a quick um, side note, Chantel mentioned um, just the importance of having a mentor and UGA actually has a mentorship program that connects um, undergraduate students to UGA alumni. So if you're listening and you are looking for a mentor or you're looking for guidance or you're a first year and you have no idea what you're doing like I was, um, reach out to them, look into them. Um, that's definitely a resource you have to so utilize it. But and I'm a mentee year. without a mentor. I mean, I'm, I'm a mentor <laughs> without a mentee. So I just got up. one yesterday, but I do have one other spot because I have opted into taking two at a time just simply because I think it's important that um, if I can make impact, I can make impact to, with however many people I can. So I, I too am looking for another mentee if you guys need one. Okay, well, perfect. So all of our listeners, you have two options right here. <laughs> love to have you. Um, but our next question is that UGA has reached 60 years of desegregation this year. What are y'all's thoughts and feelings surrounding the celebration? Me first. I, I, I love it. Um, I do. I, I really, really do. Um, what, I, what I love about this celebration is it allows us to see um, the greatness of our students that have come before us. Um, but then it also highlights the areas that, that the university can improve, right? Like, um, I, I don't know what the percentage is. Uh, when I was in school, we were 1.9% as African-American males. And so I think that there's a space for us to do better. Um, whatever the percentage is of total student body at Georgia, it's under the number of um, total population for the state of Georgia. And so, you know, there's there's there there's courage in our in our in the first three African American students who grace this campus. And I think, and I said this before in another space but the same courage exists in our students today, the same drive exists in our students today, and that same passion to change the world exists in the students that are trying to look for colleges to attend and that are on our campus right now. And so the university, I think, should be putting more effort into finding those students and getting them on our campus. And I think that having the 60th and having it be so outward and so big shines the light on all of these little things that the university can still be doing better while still highlighting the progress that we've made. So um, I love it. I'm all in. And, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to piggyback off Jeff because I think that he did a phenomenal job just packaging that. I mean, I think it's phenomenal that you know, we've reached 60 years, but at the same time, it's like, my mom's not even 60. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe that it's only been 60 years. So it shows that we still, you know, we've made progress, but we have a lot more space to go in terms of being better, being bigger, you know, um, you know, just being a part of that moment. And Jeff was also a part of the moment on the, the day of the 60th anniversary of desegregation, just ringing the bell, with the first, you know, some of the first there. And it was just an honor. And it just really just, you know, lit a fire within my soul to make sure that I was doing what they, you know, those big three set the tone for us to do. And that's to continue to be better, to, to continue to have the conversations, to continue to, you know, um, build on the legacy they set for us. 
you know, just standing on the shoulder of those giants and doing that. And I feel like the passion I have for our students, um, which, oh my God, our students are phenomenal. I mean, I even, I'm just, I'm talking to some of my mentees, like, do you want to be my mentor? Like these students are so progressive and they're so amazing and they're change makers. And I, I know that they are the ones that can continue to move the needle um, to for our campus to be more inclusive environment um, and, and build on that percentage, you know, and, and um, you know, whatever it may be, 8% or whatever it may be, um, they're a part of the change. And so is the future students. And so, like Jeff said, you know, there's work to be done, but I'm willing to do that. You know, I'm willing, I'm all in. And I think we spend a lot of time and we focus in on, 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 on increasing that student population number, but I think there's also space for us to challenge and push harder and, and attract more faculty and staff that, that, that are more diverse, right? You know, to bring in awesome, you know, to bring in rock stars like Kayla, right? Um, you know, she's in grad school now, but, but after she's done, why can't this be the place that she calls home from a staff perspective? And, you know, why can't we, if we can go out as an institution and say, we're going to have the best honors college and we're going to recruit the best of the best, then why can't we have the same with, um, with, with, our, with our faculty and staff and say, hey, let's go out and let's pay our faculty and staff what it takes to get them here because ultimately that betters the University of Georgia, right? That pushes our students to be better if we have the best of the best um, African-American professor that we can get in, in, in Chantel's psychology program, right? Like that only makes the university better. And so, yes, we spend a lot of time talking about that student population, but I think, again, using the 60th as a catalyst for deeper and more meaningful conversation about what the future looks like from a faculty and staff perspective is also important. Like, can we get some more leadership that, that when President Moorhead is making a decision, he has some diverse voices that sit around him and say, ah, maybe that's not the best thing to say, or maybe we can dive deeper here, right? So I think that there's, there's still more work to be done, but dang, I'm super happy at the work that we have done in the, in the places that we've come from. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Because, you know, I, I think that some of the students now they're looking for diversity. Like that's, you know, that's one of the first questions they ask now is, you know, what are your profession, what are your faculty look like? Because I want to have somebody that looks like me that represents me, um, you know, in the classroom. And so when you have questions like that, you want to be able to say, okay, you know, we want to, the faculty and staff to be reflective of the students that come to the university. Um, and so I think that that is important. So thank you so much for bringing that up, Jeff. Yeah. I and I mean, you know, for me, man, I, as an alum, if the, if, if the university came to me and said, hey, we want to start a fund that helps us attract more students or more faculty and staff of color, but we need some help raising some money so that we can endow um, a position or uh, several positions for that, yeah, I'm stroking the check, right? Like this only makes our system better with diversity and inclusion, right? And it's not just African-American, it's getting more Latinx faculty and staff, getting, getting professors that, that look like the student body, that mirror the student body. And I think that only helps to enhance the student experience, then at the end of the day only benefits the university because happy students write checks as alums. Absolutely. 
Side note. So Jeff is actually a celebrity because I'm not a celebrity. He was in the 60th <laughs> anniversary promotional video. And if you haven't watched it, you should definitely go watch it on desegregation.uga.edu. Which okay, so our next question and you guys <laughs> awesome transition. <laughs> our next question, would you guys actually kind of um, talked a little bit about this? And we talked about this earlier before the podcast. But um, UGA's Black undergraduate population is currently at 8.3% of the total undergraduate population. When you hear that, describe what comes to mind, how that makes you feel, and what can be done to increase this number. You want me to start? All right. Um, we could be better, right? Like, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from where we are as an as a, as a institution, right? Georgia is an amazing place. And it's a, it's it's um and it's, it, it it genuinely is a great place, um but we can be better, right? Eight percent is a is a starting line, not the finish line. I I I don't know what the 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 state of Georgia's um racial breakdown. Thir looked it up. We're thirty one percent of the population in the state of Georgia. That's the goal. That's the mark. End the discussion, right? Like if 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 we're going to celebrate. Mary Frances Early and celebrate Hamilton Holmes and celebrate Charlene and all these other firsts. And we're gonna talk about how meaningful they are to the university and how they change the state. Then let's do it, right? Like let's, let's, let's be 31.32 is what Google says. That's the African-American population for the state. And then again, let's take it a step further. It's not just about African-Americans in this space. It's about our Latinx brothers and sisters. It's about our Asian American brothers and sisters, right? It's about how, how are women represented across the spectrum at UGA from a faculty and staff and student perspective. So yes, we can have that conversation about African-Americans being too low, but in the same space, we can also have the same, we can walk and chew gum. We can have these same conversations around all the other areas of diversity and challenge the status quo. There's nothing to me that says that the university can't be the leader and the champion for diversity and inclusion, and they serve as the model for other institutions, right? So when people come from Michigan or when they come from, you know, a California or whatever, and they step foot on Georgia's campus, they're like, hold on, this is Georgia? Like, Georgia's in the South. Like, it ain't supposed to look like this, right? But, but, but we can, because I think we have the power we have the brand name, and most importantly, as a university, we got, it ain't like we ain't got the money, right? Like, we got the cash, so let's, let's do it. Let's put our money where our mouth is, man, and let's really be the change that this school has the power to be. I totally wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said, Jeff. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest things, me coming from the small town of Waycross, Georgia, is I feel like a lot of the rural counties and, you know, we're, we're left out. I can tell you that right now. Um, in order for me to learn about Georgia, I had to drive to Tifton, Georgia, uh, which isn't that much bigger, but they do have an agricultural campus in Tifton. And so fortunately for me, I was able to speak with a representative of uh, admissions and they were able to kind of tell me about, you know, Georgia and all of these great things that Georgia has to offer. Um, but I think what I appreciated the most out of that exchange is that this person was a Black person. Um, because at the time, you know, I came from the narrative that Black people don't go to Georgia. <laughs> Black people don't go to Georgia. 
there, there's no black people there unless you're an athlete. Um, and so, you know, but I wanted to go. <laughs> I didn't care about any of that. I wanted to be there. And so I just appreciate the fact that, you know, we're having this conversation. And like Jeff said, you know, this is going to be a series of conversations and we have to make sure we have the, the right individuals in the room people from the past where it wasn't so inclusive to people, uh, students now, you know, faculty and staff, uh, everybody's gotta be in the room. That's a part of this conversation in order for us to be the change we wanna see. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it is disheartening to hear that 8%, but I have faith in us. I feel like there's something that we can do about it. And I feel like we have to strike while the iron's hot and the 60th just continuously reminds us that this is where we've come from, so we've made progress, but what can we do better? What can we do better? Yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. You know, like when you think about all that's happening today, like was it last week we, or was it this week? I don't know. We landed a, we landed a, a rover on Mars, right? Like why, why, why you know, that, the next time we do it, that, there needs to be somebody from, a black woman or a black man from UGA that did that, right? Like, you know, when we think about, you know, if, if Stacey Abrams could have been the first African-American woman governor from the state of Georgia, for the state of Georgia. She's a Spelman grad, right? Why is that not the University of Georgia? Like that should be the University of Georgia's permanent seat, right? Like if it's first, if, if, if we're gonna do first, it, it, the first needs to come from Georgia and then we can let the other schools figure it out, right? Like Georgia Tech shouldn't have the best engineering school in the state that should reside in Georgia, right? Like we can point to all of these other great things that UGA is doing. I'm just saying as the leader and as the biggest institution, we need to be the best in everything, right? We strive for greatness on the football field. We wanna be national champs in basketball. We're national champs in equestrian or whatever in gymnastics. We need to be national champs in every dance, um, everything, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Including I'm that equity included. Hit, hit, the, uh, hit, the, hit the mute button. But no, I mean, we just need to be the best. And I think we can. I mean, I really do. You know, like we have awesome alumni. We have awesome students. We have awesome faculty and staff. Like there's nothing saying that the University of Georgia can't be the best in all of these things. We just have to decide that we want to commit the resources to making it happen. Absolutely. And, and I think that we're doing that now. We're starting that process now. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, in the next five years, you know, is this something that we're going to continue to strive and be bigger and better? You know, is there something that, you know, needs to be created? Uh, you know, the, the people that will be involved in this change, you know, I'm really interested to, to see what happens in the next five years, but I have faith in us, you know, but it, it truly takes a village to, to make the change happen. And I think if we can get people with common hearts, minds, beliefs, values, you know, in the same room, we can make it happen. We can make a shape. Absolutely. And um, now we just have a specified question. So our first one is for Chantel. And um, so our very first African-American president, former president Barack Obama, was elected during your time at UGA. Um, was. What was that like for you being on campus? And if you could just describe that experience. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember that night so vividly because I'm not one to just cry like about anything. Like it, it really takes a very large amount of energy and emotions <laughs> for something to make me cry. But when I tell you I was speechless, when I heard 
that President Obama was elected, the first black president elected in the United States. I never thought in a million bajillion years that I would hear those words in my lifetime or the next, <laughs> but it happened. And I can tell you, everyone around me was just so emotional. It was just such an emotional moment, just seeing that black family run up on that stage and just, I mean, I, I can't, I can't even describe the feeling, you know? And, and I think that, you know, what made me happiest was that everyone around me were not just black people. There were other people of, of different diverse backgrounds that was just as happy, just as emotional as I was. Um, and so that just really, really made me, I don't know, I was the happiest person on the planet earth. I could just tell you that. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I, I do also remember that, you know, at the time, I know we talked about Facebook and social media and things of that nature. And, um, you know, it was a happy moment, but at the same time, there were some people that were upset, um, as well. And, um, it broke my heart to see that because it was some people that I really, I was like, I like this person. Um, but they had a lot of negative things to say. Um, and so it was just unfortunate because I felt like I couldn't, I could no longer, I just saw, I viewed that person differently after that. So it also caused somewhat of a division in certain areas, but for the most part, it was a phenomenal experience. And, you know, just to see it happen all over again, <laughs> four years later was just, it was just amazing. So absolutely. And so for you, Jeff, we want to ask, how do you feel coming back to campus and interacting with Black students 16 years after graduating? You just had to throw that 16 years in there. Didn't you? Oh. you did that on purpose. You, we, we, we had a thing. We were cool. And then here oh. you go, like 16 years, stab and twist the knife. I see you. It's cool. It's cool. I love it, man. Um, to be honest, they, you know, students today, they energize me to, um, to keep giving and keep supporting the university because they are just, there's this engine and there's an excitement that's in our student body today. Um, not to say that we didn't have it when we were there, like it, it was just focused in a different direction, right? Um, but the student body today is, is super smart. You're super engaged in the world. And I think you have to be like, and so that makes you, that makes you stronger. That makes you um, more, I, not more creative, but but you have a greater capacity to change the institution and change the world, really. And so I love coming back. I love giving back to to the students that are there. Um, and then you know I've I've been blessed as a as a as a as a um, um, as a, as an adult, right? I'm, I do you know I do all right. You know I, I am uh, I've worked my way up a, a good a good ladder. And so anytime I can share that insight with students, I'm going to, you know, because the path that I took is not necessarily different. It's just not one that I would have thought of, right? I work in, I work in a nonprofit space, right? I, I'm, I'm the vice president of development and marketing for a nonprofit in Atlanta. And so um, I'd love to see more of us um, take that route and join this nonprofit space, because that's another place where you can create a lot of change and a lot of change quickly. Um, because our boots are on the ground and, and this, is what, this is what the nonprofit space was created for. And so if I can help a student harness that passion and that energy 
Um, if they're struggling, eh, I don't really want to do that. Hey, come join me in the nonprofit space and, and let's really, really make some, make some change. And so, yes, 16 years later, I, I love coming back um, and giving as much time as I can um, to the students. And I'm looking forward to post-COVID land so that I can really come back and pour into students in person. And what Jeff doesn't also realize is that, you know, as much as he uh, picks on me, um, he also inspires me as an alumni. Um, just the way that he invests his time and his energy and his expertise, his knowledge, um, you know, is, is something that is inspirational to me as an alumni. And so I feel like that is contagious amongst other alumni as well and gets them, you know, revved up and, and um you know, energize to, you know, become, you know, give back to the university as well. So thank you for that. You got it. <laughs> well, both of you guys are very inspiring to me and I'm sure Salisa as well, just being here in this space and sharing with us and um, just deciding that, yeah, I would love to join and um, get my input on your podcast. So thank you. Um, but our next question is, what was your fondest or is your fondest um, bugger memory or experience? Oh, all right. Wow. So for me, I, I, I got it. I know it. It's, it I'm all in. Um, so when I was there 16 years ago, um, UGA went to the Sugar Bowl. That was the first time we had been in forever. We went in 2002, I think. Um, and so me and a group of friends not having a place to stay, we, we said, let's go to New Orleans. Um, and so we both, we hopped in two cars and we drove from Atlanta to New Orleans and we were calling hotels in between in, in that eight hour drive, trying to figure out where we were going to stay. And it was one of the most fun, you know, just to be young and experience uh, Georgia versus Florida State in the Sugar Bowl with that level of energy um, I loved it. And um, I say, so that one and probably my first trip to um, Georgia, Florida, that one was flat out amazing. Just again, it's just that, that energy and excitement that, that, that was in the air around those two football games were amazing. And, and then, you know, the thing that probably everybody mentions is just that take time. Um, but for me, it's specific. For me, it's take time during the summer. Um, so take time all the time is amazing, but specifically take time during the summer um, is really cool because it's, it's UGA is, super, is, is, is more chill and more laid back and you're able to build some really, really in-depth relationships with people because what else you got to do? The buses aren't running on schedule anymore. And so you just sit in that tape for, for hours upon hours of time. And so, yeah, so take time during the summer is way more um, elite than, than just traditional take time. Yeah, you totally stole mine. I love take time. <laughs> take time was so awesome because it was just, you know, rather it be in between classes or just, you know, it just gives you the opportunity to catch up with people, see people, um, hang out with people. I mean, close your ears, skip classes sometimes and just, you know, relax and chill and and just have a good time, enjoy company with your friends. But, you know, I, I think that this is really mushy, but uh, I would have to say one of my fondest moments was meeting my husband. Um, we met playing hide and go seek. I feel like that's like the rite of passage. <laughs> Freshman year, <laughs> playing hide and go seek. 
Um, but I met him and I feel like that was one of the most amazing things ever because he became my best friend and we had so many awesome moments and we still have those awesome moments after the fact. So we share in our love for UGA and, you know, all of the experiences we reflect and, and kind of reminisce on the times in college, just going to parties, he's in a fraternity. So, you know, life was crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I just, you know, just appreciated those moments with him, moments with him. So I feel like that's probably one of my top fondest moments. Okay, so our next question is, what is the Bugger community like post-graduation? It's even better because now we got money. <laughs> like we're not broken. We're not broke college students anymore. So we can have a little bit more fun. Um, I mean, that's real. I mean, that's, shh, I'm on the phone. Um, but yeah, so no, I am, no, no, no. So I am, um, I, I love it. Like, and, and then I think the best part about black, the black community at Georgia now or, or post, um, post-graduation it's just the fact that, you know, you can inspire people to really, really, really give of their time and their energy because we have more of it to give, right? And, and I think having the students that are on campus now makes it super, super easy um, for us to talk to alumni about getting engaged and getting involved. So that, that's what I love. Mm -hmm. Same. And then also, I love the fact that just watching the students be you know, so progressive and just so, I mean, it's, it inspires me. They inspire me, you know? So being on the other end of that, you know, being in my career as a licensed marriage and family therapist, you know, seeing mentees, you know, potential mentees and, and things of that nature, want to learn more, want to, they're hungry for knowledge and just want to know what it, it's like to be, you know, in the field and, and, and being able to offer that knowledge and, and those gems and things of that nature to them is such a beautiful thing. And, it, and it, it reminds me that I'm a vessel, you know, I'm a vessel, you know, I'm here to help those, you know, reach back and help those who are, you know, up and coming. And I love doing that. I love that. That's why I, I love being a mentor within the UGA mentor program, outside of the UGA mentor program. Um, and like Jeff said, I got, I, I have money now. <laughs> so I'm actually able to give back, you know, financially as well to the university so that we're able to implement some of these programs to make students feel inclusive and, and feel like they actually belong there. So that, that's a pretty dope feeling. All right, so as a reference point, nobody come and chase me down to be their mentor because they think I'm rich. Like, <laughs> like, like there are some rich black alumni. Yes, I am not one of them. I have just done well. I'm fairly successful, but not rich. But I mean, I think, I, I mean, I, you hit it on the head, man. I think a lot of us, we realize um, that there are so many things that you guys have access to that we didn't have access to, namely the mentor program, right? And so now I think we are a lot closer together as alumni because we have things um, that we didn't have when, or, or that alum, other alumni didn't have. Like we have the Black Alumni Leadership Council that are planning events and things like that that are specifically for Black alumni. So we're able to connect back to the university in a much different way than alumni previous to us. And so what that connection has done is it now has brought alumni back to the circle of giving back to the university financially and through the mentor program. And so, yes, 
um, things are are much better on the outside as black alumni. Um, but that's also because we now have a greater capacity to do more than we did when we were in school. So yes, it's really not about the money. It's all really about just our capacity to do more. But Chantel is rich though, so hit her up. <laughs> okay, um, what encouragement and wisdom would you like to share with the Black community at UGA, including Black undergrad and grad students, along with Black faculty and staff? Chantel can go first. Mm. This is, oof, that's a loaded question <laughs> for sure. Um, I would say first, you know, you know, don't be afraid of who you are. Like, I think that's a starter because if you know who you are, you know where you're going and what you want to do with your life. And so I would say, you know, don't be afraid of who you are. Um, I would also say, you know, relish in this moment. <laughs> relish in this moment as long as possible uh because you know there's nothing like four years at the university of georgia like there's there's nothing like that experience so just embrace it do new things meet new people network you know get connected uh you know utilize your resources um and, and really just embrace the moment because you know adulting is just it's different uh, but I think that, you know, you'll always have a home at UGA, you know, and as an alumni, you're able to kind of learn, you know, or give back what you've learned to those students that come after you. Um, so I would say, you know, know who you are. Um, and once you get on the other side and graduate, you know, give back. So that would be my, my words of encouragement. So my words, uh, you asked about the faculty and staff as well. So I'll start there. Um, just thank you, man. Um, because as a student or as an alum, I remember every one of my black faculty and staff members that I, that, that, that touched my, that touched me in my experience and that have kind of molded me, you know, so, so to, to many of the students who graduated with me, Miss Vanessa was mom, right? She was, she was the other mom, right? And so if you're a faculty and staff member there, that's what you mean to us as, as, as students. Um, so just keep doing what you're doing. If nobody told you thank you this today or this week or this semester, you heard it from me. Thank you so much for, for what you're doing and what you give. Um, to our students, you're supposed to be there, right? Like, like it, times may be hard, whether you're a graduate student or, or an undergrad or a PhD student or whatever, you're supposed to be there. You're in the right place. Um, you, you, you got it. You're, you're more than capable of doing what you were put there to do. So stick it out and, and don't run from it. Um, and like I said, don't run from greatness, right? Like, like you are, you're great and you're amazing and you're, and you're there specifically for a reason. I, I believe personally that each one of us have built in us the capacity to change the world, right? Like that's why we're here. We're meant to move the, move the meter. We're meant to push the, the society forward. And so you have that within you as a student. Um, and so you just have to accept that and, and, and run towards it and don't run away from it. Um, and so, yeah, my students, man, I am always here as a resource for any student. And so, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you're connected to somebody that has my phone number or email. 
Um, and so if I can ever be a resource for you, find it and, and reach out. Um, um, Chantel brought up network. I'm gonna take it a step further and build your network before you need it, right? And we have all of these social media platforms that we are all experts in. Make sure LinkedIn is one of the ones that you're an expert in, right? And, and connect with your network. And when you connect with them, be meaningful and be genuine. And once you have built that relationship, don't be afraid to use it. Like that's what everybody does. That's why you build your network. It's not to have a thousand followers on LinkedIn. You build that network because they are meant to be used and they are meant in, in a very, and I mean that in, in the most positive way possible. They're meant to be tapped into. Um, so don't be afraid to network with people. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and say this, I'm Jeffrey, this is specifically what I'm looking for, right? And allow us to be your greatest advocates out in the community. That's what your networks are there for. So those are all of my pieces of advice. Okay, so this is our last and final question. How do we, that was, I went out on a high note. Like, I, there's no guarantee that right. the next answer will be this good. No, yeah, we have just one more. <laughs> and so, are there any words that you would like to share with the greater campus community outside of the 8%? Mm. So, not the 8% outside of us. Mm. Wow. Now that one, that's a question. Um, that's a big one. I'll let Chantel go first. Of course you would. <laughs> I would say, I would say don't allow for that 8% to scare you away from, are we talking about, wait, let me, let me get the question again. Cause are we talking about students who want to apply for the University of Georgia or are we talking about what are we talking about? You're talking about the 92% that's already there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that is a hard question. All right, I got I, it. I got it. That one. Um, you have it? So, yeah, I got it. Don't be afraid of the change. And don't be okay. afraid of growth, right? Okay. Um, growth and change are not bad, and they don't change the university in a bad way. Diversity and inclusion matters. And the only way it gets better for the 8% is if it matters to the 92%. It's always gonna matter to the eight, but it only changes when it matters to the 92. And so you are our greatest advocates and our greatest allies, and we need you if we're going to make the 8% the, the grow. And this is not a zero sum game, right? Mm -hmm. Just because we grow the 8%, doesn't mean that we're losing quality in the other side, right? Quality is quality no matter where it comes from. And the university is made better with greater diversity and inclusion and access. I agree with that. So now that I understand the question, <laughs> uh, I would say that everything Jeff said, plus, um, I want to make sure I'm choosing my words wisely. Um, in order to make this university have the connection in which we think we are now, <laughs> truly, I think that we have to embrace that change. Um, I would say, make sure that this is, these efforts are genuine um, and that this allyship is sincere and not performative because 
we've seen that. And, and we just, we, all we want is a more diverse and inclusive environment. And so the more we have in support of that, for those who do not look like that 8%, I feel like the more progressive we can be as a whole. And the connection that we have is the G's on our chest <laughs> and the go dogs that we ring out every game, um, you know, instead of a, we're fighting for belongingness. You see what I mean? So I, I would say that the sincerity in being a part of the change is really important in addition to embracing it. So that's my little two cents. Chantel, you want to cry while you're on here or no? Uh, wait, you don't hear me. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still at the airport. Um, <laughs> but as Talitha mentioned, um, that was our last question. And we just want to thank both of our amazing hosts and panelists, Chantel and Jeff, for joining us and um, just being honest and sincere and creating just such a great environment during this um, podcast recording. I'm so excited for everybody to listen to it. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for being so willing and so open to joining us. And thank you so much for everyone who tuned in to our second podcast episode for After the Arch, Bugga, Where Are They Now? This After the Arch series serves to honor the 60th anniversary of desegregation here at UGA. Please go listen to the first episode if you haven't already. Make sure to follow UGA Black Alumni on Instagram at UGA Black Alumni for all their events. You can also follow us on Instagram at UGA underscore SAC for updates on all our upcoming SAC events. We hope that you all enjoyed listening to both our podcast episodes. Again, Grace and I would really want to just thank everybody and everybody for listening and tuning in to our After the Arch podcast series, Bugga. Where are they now?